0: Hello and welcome to this special Women in Engineering Day episode of Making Tech Better, Made Tech's fortnightly podcast, bringing you content from all over the world on how to improve your software delivery. My name is Claire Sudbury and my pronouns are she and her, and I am a lead engineer at Made Tech. On the 30th of March 2021, I spoke to Anne-Marie Maffedon, but then we saved the interview for a few weeks because we knew that Women in Engineering Day was coming up on the 23rd of June. Anne-Marie is the CEO of STEMETS, and I originally met her via helping out with some tech events for schoolgirls in Manchester put on by STEMETS. Their events are always great fun, and Anne-Marie is always inspirational, so it was a massive treat to get to talk to her. I have Anne-Maria Maffedon, the founder of Stemets here
1: with me. Hi, Claire. Tell us a bit about what Stemets is. So STEMETS is a social enterprise working to inspire, support, motivate uh, the next generation into STEM technical fields. So STEM being science, technology, engineering, and maths. We work with young women and non-binary young people aged from five up to 25. And we run intersectional programs, impactful events, and inspirational content platforms. Fantastic. I love all of that
0: stuff. (laughs) And before I leap into all of the questions, I'm going to ask something that i ask everybody which is who in the tech industry are you inspired
1: by so there's a couple of folks i think the one kind of technically still in the tech industry is named stephanie shirley so she is definitely inspirational for me because she was a mathematician like me really loved maths ended up kind of studying it i think she worked in the post office as a mathematician actually something like that and she was active at a time initially when if you gave birth then automatically you stopped working because that, that was a thing and so she was a bit like Mm-mm. well giving birth and the maths aren't quite necessarily equating enough so I'm gonna I need to do other bits and so I ended up setting up this company and again she was a woman setting up this tech company had lo- other women working at their kitchen tables kind of coding things and making things and she did this at a time when you know she needed her husband's or her dad's permission to open a bank account let alone run a company it yeah. She did so well that by the time she ended up closing it down, when the Equal Opportunities Act came in, because she had just been hiring with a preference for women, she kind of shut it down and ended up becoming a millionaire and making lots of other women wealthy in the process because of the way she'd even set the company up, right? And they weren't just working on things you know they were working on the flight receiver for concord they were working on stock control systems like quite serious stuff and so i think for me looking back at that and and i always talk about gladys west as well who is not necessarily still in the it industry but you know looking back those women were doing that at a time when there were so many barriers there were so many reasons why they couldn't do or shouldn't have done what they were doing and so with Stephanie Shirley, even changing her name to Steve so she could get into meetings, I think there's, there's a whole load of things where it's like, okay, cool. I wasn't born in that time. I've been operating at a time when I can open my own business and open my own bank account. What have I done <laughs> 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 with this, the situation I'm in? So it's always like a, it's not even quite a, what would Stephanie do? <laughs> but it's like, a what, what has Amory done? Like, I, I didn't have those constraints. So I think for me, that's always someone that I'm like, yeah, like if that's what she did, that's how she did it. That's the level that she was operating at. What am I doing?
0: Wow. I've got her book, actually. And uh, I agree. It's it's an amazing story. I highly recommend it. So you founded Stemets, And by doing that, you've put yourself right in the public eye. You've taken on this clear responsibility for changing the lives of girls and women and I have to confess, I find that idea kind of terrifying because you've now you've got this responsibility now. And I think I think that takes a lot of guts. So what is it that drives you to be such a trailblazer? What advice would you give to others who would also like
1: to be trailblazers but don't necessarily have the confidence? Um so to answer the first question why did I take responsibility on I took it on because it ties really nicely to the previous answer I guess what have I done <laughs> what did I do <laughs> like I didn't have any of those barriers I can see what is coming if we don't have the right people in the room in these technical spaces mm-hmm. I'm a technical person I've got this technical background got this technical love actually I should say really and I can see black mirror I can see the dystopia happening if we don't act now mm. and so I think I took on the responsibility just because I I have that sense of of I was here and what did I do and I, I would hate to look back on it I, I, I mean I always said initially kind of my unborn children I don't want them a to think that their mum's a weirdo for being the only woman left in tech but <laughs> b if I have daughters I don't want them to you know they might follow in my footsteps and I don't want them to be the only ones in so there was that kind of initial thing of for the, those that come after me I've got a bit of responsibility to make sure that they can access in the same way I did, and they can love it in the same way I did, but even more so that it can serve them better than it served me. Mm. But I think, in terms of having the guts, I think it's something where you can think about the long term and you know, thinking that Terminator 2 is not inevitable and being part of making sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, but I think change comes in different forms, change comes on different levels, change comes in different spheres. And so, I think for anyone, there are things that you have got the guts for. Start with that. What do you have the guts for? What are you trying to do? what's within your sphere of influence what are the things you know need to change uh, what are the skills you have that can kind of help affect that change and improve things and i think if you kind of concentrate on just what's in front of you or these these first two steps then actually the 400 you don't necessarily need to to take that on and have that hanging over your head yeah and so my advice is you know start in the small look at the small steps, look at the look at the now but also i think there are so many problems like there's a lot of problems there's a lot of things that need to change and so actually Who else is going to do it? Why shouldn't you be the person that brings that change about? There are so many things that it's not even like you are fighting someone else to do that. Because if it's a big enough change that needs to be done, then, you know, the more the merrier for getting that thing corrected as soon as possible. So, yeah. I think you don't need to bear that entire weight on your shoulders.
0: I love that thing of doing it one step at a time. I've heard that advice in various contexts, and it makes it so much easier if you just look at what's in front of you and just do the next thing. Mm. Don't think about all of the things, just do the next thing, and then that takes you to the next thing, and so on. But another aspect of that idea of responsibility, and I'd be really interested to know if you feel the same, because you might not do, but I've been working with Charlene Hunter Mm. Who is the founder of Coding Black Females? She's brilliant. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And something that she said to me was that because she is a black woman in tech and because they're so rare, she feels this responsibility for like all the black women that she is helping to facilitate things for them. She's paving the way for them. And then if she doesn't do what she's doing, that she's letting them down. Mm. But that feels like an enormous weight of responsibility. You know, I mean, it's hard (laughs) enough that you're already in two underrepresented groups, but to then feel that you have the responsibility of looking after all of the other people in that group. Do, Do you
1: feel that as well? So with black women in particular, no. And and weirdly enough, not even with the girls and young women that we work with. So I don't represent everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a personal perspective, right? So Charlene does feel that she does. And that says a huge amount actually about Charlene and her motivations. But also, yeah, that sense of responsibility that she's able to take on. I think for me, I don't speak for all. I've never felt that I speak for all. And for me, it's more about I speak for some. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think for me, it's less about having to represent all black people when I turn up somewhere or all East Londoners when I turn up somewhere or, all you know, headscarf people if I turn up headscarf or greyhead people. Yeah. Because I, I can do my best to represent and I can do my best to do certain people proud. Mm hmm. And to use the agency and the power that I have. I think I think it's less about saying I represent all of them, but it's more about saying with the power and the agency that I have and the influence I have, what have I done for those people? Mm. Or what am I doing to improve things for others? If I'm able to access these spaces, who am I bringing into these spaces that isn't there already? So then they can also kind of add to the representation that should be here that wasn't here. Yeah. And, and so it's something that I, I cling to quite a lot, actually. So for International Day of Women and Girls in Science in 2021 this year we had a reception or like a zoom call with the, the prime minister and one of the his kind of special envoy on girls' education, I think I think is her kind of title. And then seven of us, the Met.
0: Wow. And it was
1: really funny because the moment the Prime Minister, there's a lot of things on his plate, he's is, is kind of a, a divisive figure, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But someone commented to me, it was like, it's really interesting how you can kind of stay apolitical in these kinds of spaces. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't choose to be there. On a Tuesday morning, there's a hundred other things I could have been doing, but actually I was there because this is about opening the opportunity to those young people.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was about giving them a reception with the prime minister it's about you know what that's meant for them and their schools and their families and the people around them to know that the young person was chosen the young person was able to share their love of stem with the prime minister as a young woman and so I think for me there's so many opportunities where I don't necessarily feel like I'm representing everybody but it's like what have I done what did I do it's that thing of you know I had that opportunity what did I do with it yeah did I been it Did I say no? Did I say I was going to go and protest? You know, other people on Twitter were like, what hard questions did you ask him? It's like, well, okay, this wasn't about me, actually. This is bigger than who the current prime minister is. Yeah. Right. The problem I'm trying to solve is much bigger than most things now. Yes. It's a lot bigger than that. I have to look at the bigger picture. I have to look long term and I have to say in the grand scheme of things, if we look at that bigger picture, where is all of this going to fit? And so that's always what I have to weigh up. That makes a lot of sense. It's a bigger picture rather than just how I feel about, you know, the Boris right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> something that you touched on as well is this idea that you know not everybody, not every black woman, not every woman might want to be in in STEM, and that's something that I find really interesting because I want to open up opportunities to all women and to all underrepresented groups in tech. I want to make this industry open and inclusive and diverse, but of course. Not everybody is going to want to join me. Mm -hmm. And I noticed there was a a quote about your upcoming book and it said, Anne-Marie's skills in science and maths are awe-inspiring, but, and this is the key message, these are skills we can all learn. Mm. And I was thinking, well, is that true? Can anybody learn any STEM skill or is it more that there's such a variety in STEM that anybody can find something in there that, that suits them?
1: So it, it's a bit of the second and a bit more. So the idea, and the, with the book, this is something that I'm kind of exploring now with different folks. It's It kind of starts off by setting the scene for this. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, you can get by not knowing English. Like, and I actually written this in the book. Let's see if it makes it through the edit. But you can get by with not knowing English. I mean, if you're in an English-speaking country, it makes things harder. But if you're in a, in a Spanish-speaking country, you can get by you can, very much so with not speaking a word of English. And I think there are elements of this where actually... Digital has become the fourth of literacy. And I know this is something you're kind of fully familiar with, where to understand the world around you, yes, you need scientific knowledge. You know, there's a lot of things that you need to be able to interpret what's going on. The same way you need English to interpret what's going on if you're in an English-speaking environment. And I think with the tech, with the science, with the STEM, the day is coming where we'll no longer be able to say, oh, it's something I don't get. Mm. It will be one of those things where you have to find the bit of it you understand and you have to lean into that otherwise your wi-fi fridge you'll be at the mercy of (laughs) your driverless car you'll be at the mercy of like there's all these things in the normal right and so i think there's an interesting progression where you know you're a developer not everyone needs to be a developer but you do need to appreciate what it means to develop what it means to have a digital system and if i take another analogy it's like immigration everyone has a perspective on immigration we're not immigration lawyers but you have a perspective on immigration rightly or wrongly you still have a perspective it it drives elections all that kind of stuff and so why has no one said oh i don't get immigration law so i'm not going to have an opinion on that or i'm going to sit back from it no one said that Mm. you said oh i hate immigrants or i love immigrants or whatever else or something in between yeah and so i think it's the same thing with digital and with tech and stem where okay maybe you don't know the ins and outs of nuclear fission or you don't know the ins and outs of loops or whatever it would be but there's still got to be a base level understanding that you have in order for you to then be able to get by and not be at the mercy of the tech. And I think on the personal level, is that thing of you, you lose your power, you lose your agency. That's why the book's called "She's in Control." You lose an element of the control over what happens for you in your life. And so I think not everybody will write, you know, the world's most efficient code, but being able to have so done it once, have tried it, have seen what it's like, and have an appreciation for it, and not be like, oh, I don't get that cold thing because mm. my math teacher was awful to me. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, for a lot of people, that's what it is. It's like, okay, cool. Your math teacher's not here anymore, and you are with your fridge, and you are trying to figure out this Wi Fi fridge and how you're going to get your food so you can eat and survive and live. Yeah. The choice that you have to opt out. The idea of that being a choice is kind of shrinking and shrinking and shrinking as time goes on. And so why not get on board with it ahead of time so that then you can use it to your advantage, but you can also use it to the advantage of others. And you can use it, you know, very importantly to solve the problems that we have. Yeah. Because there are so many problems that we do have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we've mentioned the book, but I haven't officially said that you are writing a
1: book and it's called She's in Control. Sweating commences. (laughs) (laughs)
0: and it's really interesting kind of neatly packages all all of the stuff that's really interesting about about your journey and the things that you represent one of the things that I saw in the promo it says it's time to get into the room where the decisions are made or better still create our own tech rooms exactly that's really interesting to me so which is more important or effective getting into the room
1: or creating our own rooms And, and what's the difference both both of them are effective and and i think it comes back to this point is it too much responsibility you know everybody's different right there is an existing hierarchy an existing system and sometimes the system works for folks and sometimes it doesn't and i think the, one of the beauties of tech is you can create your own room if you're not able to get into the rooms that are there at the moment and i talk about this a little bit in the book like you've got the options and i think knowing you've got the option to be in the room to create your room or to be both and be bringing people into the room you know it's definitely something for folks to kind of see and to help break down this idea of this just being for techies this just being for people that got on with their maths teacher which with my podcast women tech charge is the same thing of you know these are all women taking charge of particular things using tech and you know if you listen to the stories if you listen to the different types of people you know there's all kinds of different backgrounds all kinds of training all kinds of entry routes and so I think it's really important for folks to understand you know there, there are many doors to that room but also you can build your own room and all of those are completely fine and all of those things are still you making the most of technology itself and the tool that tech is because ultimately it's a tool that's you know in the right hands can do amazing things and in the wrong hands doesn't do as much and in more hands does the best thing yeah many hands make better tech work maybe that should be what I call the book <laughs> but I think there's, there's a lot of gatekeeping and I, I talk about this a little bit in the book there is a lot of gatekeeping going on which might have been okay beforehand but now the implications of that gatekeeping are so huge that we can no longer be kept out of this mm. and so either we build our own rooms or we break into those rooms but one way we need to be in a tech room we need to be there
0: yeah yeah and another quote technology is too important for women to be left out and left behind far too important far too important while i've got your attention let me tell you a bit about made tech after 21 years in the industry i'm quite choosy about who i'll work for Made Tech are software delivery experts with high technical standards. We work almost exclusively with the public sector. We have an open source employee handbook on GitHub, which I love. We have unlimited annual leave. But what I love most about Made Tech is the people. They've got such passion for making a difference and they really care for each other. Our Twitter handle is Made Tech. That's M-A-D-E-T-E-C-H. We have free books available on our website at madetech.com slash resources slash books and we're currently recruiting in London, Bristol, South Wales and the north of England via our Manchester office. If you go to madetech.com slash careers, you can find out more about that. remind you before the break we were talking about how technology is too important for women to be left out and left behind. What are their negative impacts? What do we already see as a result of women not being equally involved in the creation of tech?
1: So Invisible Women is a great book for this to talk through lots of the different examples. I think um, the ones that I kind of tend to share with folks is things like seat belts um, and airbags mm-hmm. which if you've read the book actually you'll, you'll, you'll see this but I've, I've been talking about this for years where you know early teams of engineers were supposed to build safety devices for people when we moved from horses to cars they ended up building these safety devices for who they thought would be the typical user which was men. And so early seatbelts and airbags killed women and children, which is the complete opposite of what they were supposed to be building. But by not considering women exist, how can you kill somebody with a safety device? That's awful. Yeah. But also unnecessary. But even more so, you know, today our safety standards still are based on that 50th percentile male. And I'm never going to be 50 percentile male. It's not something I'm working towards. It's not something <laughs> I'm aiming for it's not. It's just not going to happen. How crazy is that I've never used a seatbelt correctly? I've never been 50th percentile male. Mm-hmm. And so you've got things like that through to... You know, every couple of years, a tech company discovers the period for the first time. And one particular company that kind of do fitness trackers discovered the period for the first time ever, two (laughs) years ago. And so they did their, I put in air quotes, research. They did their development. They did their testing. They did their implementation. They rolled it out across the device. They did big fanfare. They had a big marketing campaign. And then it got out into the open and, you know, everyone was like, what have you done? This is useless. <laughs> and it turned out it tracked 10 days of a period. And it's like, okay, if you've ever had a period, if you've ever met anybody that's had a period, you'll know they do what they want. Yeah. So you setting an arbitrary 10 days doesn't work because what if I've just given birth? What if my period is doing funny stuff? Yeah. What do I do then? And none of you in that research team, in that dev team, in that implementation team, in the marketing team, in the whole team, none of you had ever had a period or met someone that ever had a period yeah and so you've got to think like either it's all you or you had all these people in your team and you didn't hear them that's awful because you didn't hear them like the period it's been around for ages yeah like it's not a new concept by any stretch of any imagination Mm -hmm. if you couldn't hear them on that like so fundamental then what else are you not hearing them on Yeah,
0: there's so much in there. But I think just the basic thing about periods, I mean, there's loads of other things as well, like miscarriage and menopause and so many things that affect women. That Being a woman in the workplace, to be honest, not just working in tech, it's just stuff that happens. It shouldn't be a big deal. It shouldn't be embarrassing or shameful or anything. It's just stuff that our bodies do. But somehow we can't talk about it. We can't acknowledge it. We can't acknowledge the impact it has on our lives and therefore on our working
1: lives. Yeah, drives me mad. It's ridiculous because, like you said, it's a universal, it's a thing that happens. And so if technology is about solving problems and these things have implications and cause problems for us, then why wouldn't you use technology to do that? Mm -hmm. And so I think this is the other thing of the book of take some technical control, take some control. Like, you know, you've got some agency Mm. in this brilliant tool. Let's use it to solve where it hasn't been used to solve where we haven't researched the endometriosis is another one you know there's all these things that haven't been explored and if we've got this tool why wouldn't we use it to help with that yeah and the blokes aren't going to be able to do it on their own they're really not going to be able to solve it properly yeah yeah so another quote that I noticed
0: from the book promo is uh, that it's an inspirational narrative about how women must play a part in ensuring a future that's evenly distributed. And that, that's interesting because I noticed the word must in there.
1: Mm.
0: Do you think women must play a part? And if that's the case, is the onus on them to seize those parts or on allies to
1: facilitate those opportunities? So I think we have to. You're alive now. These things are coming, and it's in your interest, but it's in the interest of others like you that are coming to do it. So I think I think there has to be a bit more compulsion put on it. And as controversial as that may be, and everyone's got you know their own free will and the rest of it. So if you don't want to, that's fine. But I think it it does come back to it's in your own interest. The Wi-Fi free, driverless car, like these things are coming. You can't run away from them. Mm. If you don't want to be there for it, then you know you're born at the wrong time, essentially. Yeah, it's affecting us the most. It's affecting our health. And this isn't just about money right so i think there is a must in we don't have the choice we don't have the option We mm. might have been should right if technology wasn't as ubiquitous and wasn't as impacting mm. but we do have to be there we have to stand up we have to be counted we have to push it in and we have to you know bring the average back to the right direction whatever we are doing i'm not saying you must work in tech at all i'm saying you must have some sort of technical literacy, which is which is very different. So I think it definitely is a must. It's a must. Um, who is the onus on? I think it's on both sides. I think I think there is something of if you know the capacity, if you know the potential, if you know what you can do with the technology then it's definitely something you need to go after. You need to take seriously and hold with two hands. But of course, there is so much gatekeeping. There is a rich patriarchal heritage Mm. that has hidden the rich matriarchal heritage that we have in these (laughs) technical spaces. Mm -hmm. And this is why I do talk about getting in the room and creating your own room, where if the the boys aren't going to let us in, then we can make our own. Mm. We We create our own spaces. And it's something we've done century over century, time and time again, where we've not been part of something. We've made our own, whether it's women's clubs. You know, there's all these things that we've created as our own institutions and as our own organisations. And we've self-organised and done things along those gender lines, as well as other lines. You know, of course, women aren't a monolith. And so I think it is something where the allies have so much work to do. The system has so much further to go in terms of actively supporting women in particular into this space. And so I think it's the two sides of... You break down the doors or someone opens the door, but either way, you're going into that room. And so you have to be at the door to get in if someone is going to open the door for you. And so I think it is getting to that door and it is pushing Mm. and it is having a broader motivation or broader impetus that we can take on to say, here's why we have to be here. So here's why I have to understand this. Yeah. Here's why I have to bring others in so we can all contribute to this because otherwise... You know, you also will be there when your grandchildren are marrying robots or when 10 minutes to is happening. (laughs) You want to be able to look back and say, yeah, I did something. Right. If you tried and it was you were kept out, that's one thing. But if you're not engaging because of conditionings all those other things that are happening that have happened, you still have to stand up and be counted you have to get involved you have to be there if you're going to be alive now Mm. and this this wi-fi fridge is going to get you it's going to get you (laughs) so what does that look like you know i mean
0: so if, if there's a woman listening to this podcast now what are we asking her to do
1: well, there's quite a few things. And I, I mean, <laughs> by the book is, is a kind of the shorthand of this because each, each chapter I do have like a couple of things that folks should try, that folks should do, that folks should look into. I think the beginning, the first step I'm going to say is to be curious. You know, have a read, have a listen to this podcast. You're already kind of part way there in terms of having the curiosity for what is it when people talk about tech? What does it mean to have a Wi-Fi fridge? Like, what does that look like? Like, what Wi-Fi enabled means what? happens with your fridge, right? Bluetooth is what? You know, virtual reality is what? Bitcoin blockchain is what? Like what are people talking about when they're doing these things? And I think having the curiosity is going to allow you to then start to understand how this might map onto your own life, the problems that you have your own perspective on, that you care about, that you're interested in, but also that you have experience that kind of allows you to to be a part of the solution. So I think for women listening it is about you know, what are the rooms that you want to get into? You know, are they talking about virtual reality? Are they talking about women in tech? Are they talking about civil tech? So, you know, there's, there's so many things, there's so many options. It's almost like rediscovering food, right? There's all these different things that you can try. What's the food that you're going to like? What's the food that allows you to stay healthy? What's the food that's going to, you know, if your nails don't grow, what's the food that's going to help you with your nails? So it's that kind of thing of... You know, Taking this as a whole new world that you can delve into, you can explore, mm-hmm. that you can use better, but also that you can influence and you can say, actually, this thing I learned about legal tech because I was a lawyer – means that I can apply that for my children or I can apply that to the digital divide. There's so many permutations. There's not one route into tech. There's not one space. There's not, you know, go learn to code and be a developer. I mean, you could learn to code so you can see what it is. And if you like it, you carry on. If you don't, you've seen it and go be a project manager or go be a teacher that teaches. There's all these things that you could do. There's so many options. It's a lens with which to apply to things. And if we go back to the English analogy, it's like, yeah, okay, you've learned English. So what are you going to do? You're going to write a poem? You're going to read more. You didn't learn English to become Shakespeare. And maybe you will become Jane Austen or whoever else it might be. But there's all these other things in between that you can use English to communicate with others. You can use English to support people. You know, there's there's all these things that you can use. And so technology becomes another tool. And so what tool, what part of that tool are you going to use? How are you going to hold it? Where are you going to apply it? There's a whole you know journey of discovery that folks can go on with tech.
0: Fantastic. I noticed that you mentioned food just then and i've never forgotten when we were both doing some work with some schoolgirls in manchester there was an event um, to do some coding with some schoolgirls and i remember you saying that you had learnt that one of the ways to get girls involved and motivated and engaged with whatever event you happen to be putting on is to make sure that there's food mm-hmm. that food <laughs> is a really good motivator everybody <laughs> loves food everybody's interested in food Food matters. It's interesting because I also noticed I was reading a blog post of yours recently about um, to do lists and about having too much to do. And you used food as an analogy there. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. I I, I love that food is like this universal uniter.
1: (laughs) We all got to eat. I love food. I mean, I think it's so funny with the best as well. Free food has been the thing. It's been like, it's all about free food. Free food does taste better. And I think it is a leveler. You know, you sat having lunch. In the same room as those girls means that in that moment you're the same as them, even though you're a developer, even though you're the same gender and all the rest of that kind of stuff. I think it, it becomes a level Like, you know, if I'm in a meeting with Stephanie Shirley and we're both eating the same lunch, like that's the thing we're doing together, and, and in that moment we're the same. Mm. It's breaking bread, isn't it? There's something unifying about it, something leveling about it. Mm-hmm. There's all the things that are delicious and nourishing about food. It's the same on my, my maths book. I wrote a kids' maths book, and I was like, first chapter's got to be about food. <laughs> and they're like, okay, cool. So here's the syllabus and food. Is isn't actually part of the Q Stage 1 (laughs) math syllabus. And I'm like, well, here's how it is. And so in the first chapter, the first and longest chapter is food and maths for these these kids. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I love food. There's that. And the other reason why we centred on food was um, it was Pancake Day, the day I launched the Mets. And so we had unlimited pancakes at the events, which was great. Oh, yeah. But then it was like, okay, cool. So um, coders turn coffee into code, which you'll have heard. Or at hackathons, normally you have, like, beer. Mm -hmm. And then people kind of turn the beer into code, right? And so it was like, if we're working with children, we can't give them beer or coffee what can we give them and so sweets was the nearest thing <laughs> and so we'd bulk buy haribos to kind of just fling out these events <laughs> obviously the kids loved it because they were hyped up on sugar and then they were coding and building these things and it was great and um we'd have haribos of course haribos aren't halal or kosher mm. and so we'd end up having like maltesers or some kind of chocolate biscuit alongside the haribos and then a couple of years later it kind of hit me we we ended up having this partnership with a vegan sweets company and it was like hang on a second we just need these sweets now we don't need halal sweets we don't need kosher sweets everyone just gets the vegan sweets and everyone's partaking again in the same sweets and that same thing and so for us it's a leveler like there's so many things that you can do through the medium of food that why not yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm making myself hungry thinking about it, but why not? <laughs> yeah. No, I've never forgotten
0: advice I was given when I was a teenager about how to meet women and start new romantic relationships with women. And what she said to me was, the way to a woman's stomach is through her stomach. <laughs> her <laughs> point was, if you want to meet people, if you want to get to know people, if you want to break the ice, use food. Invite people to eat with you.
1: The other thing we found as well with our events was, which I think you you kind of said at the beginning of the question was, you know, if there's free food, then what have you got to lose? Like nothing else, you turn up, you eat the food and you leave. And I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, you don't have to come because of a love of tech. We're not assuming that you have that love of tech, but you can come because you want to eat food
0: yeah, and there are definitely people who I've heard talking about just going to a lot of tech events just for the free food, being able to find a new event every night of the week and therefore not having to feed yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't I miss that. that is one thing I miss about leaving the house. I mean, there's not many things I miss about leaving the house, but
0: I know I was thinking that over the last year,
1: there's no free food at home, yeah, yeah,
0: we're running out of time. So there are some questions that I ask everybody. I ask people to tell me one thing that's true about them and one thing that's untrue, and then people who join our mailing list will find out which was the true one and which was the untrue one. Which is a bit mean, but there you go. So I like it. <laughs> we won't publish the right answer in the podcast.
1: Gosh. I'm making you lie on the
0: spot. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like thinking about
1: a lie. So two things that may or may not be true about me. Um, one is that I'm vegan and the other is that I live in West London. Mm. Tell me about West London. What's your favourite thing about West London? Hammersmith Station. <laughs> I actually really like Hammersmith Station. I mean, I've always been a Boston Station kind of person, but I like Hammersmith Station when it's set up because it feels a bit like America. Mm. And mm-hmm. I don't really like America, but it just feels different. You don't feel like you're in London at Hamison Station. Why does it feel like America? I don't. It's the way that they've set up the like parade. They've, so that when you come out of the Piccadilly or District, so those two are like the platforms together. Mm-hmm. You've got booths almost in the middle, mm-hmm. and then it's like paved. So you know, this country's kind of cold, so the way we, we design buildings and do things is very different from how it is in hot countries or in hot places, but it's paved like it's a hot place, so you feel a little bit like you're on holiday. Oh. But also the way that they've set up the shops, it just feels very different to me oh. from like anywhere else in London that I end up in. So um How interesting. So Hammersmith Station, I quite I quite like it. It feels like home. And you said you're a bus and station kind of a girl. <laughs> um, I I'm am. I'm a Londoner for improvement. So I love stations. I love London. I just love our transport system. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing, but I will sit and watch like YouTube videos about stations. You know, like Oldwich is a closed station, all those kinds of tours where you get to go behind the scenes, all the rest of
0: that mm. stuff. I
1: love all of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. All of it. Yes.
1: I love it. <laughs> So last two questions.
0: What is the best thing that happened to you in the last month or so? It can be either work-related
1: or non-work-related. Best thing that happened to me in the last month or so, gosh. We've got new partners coming on. I think that's that's actually pretty awesome (laughs) because it has been a tough time. Mm -hmm. We have our responsibility to our community, so we've stayed kind of providing content and providing support for them. But it's been really great to have really good reassurance or... Recommitments, I should say actually is the word from particular partners to say yeah we're gonna we're gonna support you even more so it's partly actually why we just closed a recruitment round at Stemets for our biggest recruitment round ever which is a crazy time to be hiring people right now but we have yeah so that's been really good really really good actually because it means this year we're gonna be able to kind of look up rather than look down in quite a big way yeah do you want to say who those partners are Mercedes is the one I'm going to say. The Mm -hmm. other ones aren't necessarily public. Well, actually, one of them is, talking about allyship, one of them is a guy whose company we've worked with. And so for the last three years, he's been an individual um, donor to Stemets. Yeah. So he's been kind of contributing. And so if we talk about allyship, it's been really interesting where, yeah, this is someone who's kind of literally put his money where his mouth is and and has kind of funded program, funded members of staff as well in the Stemets team over the last couple of years and kind of continues coming back and kind of is very supportive and very active in kind of helping us out so yeah that's good yeah shout out to Jim his name's Jim
0: hello Jim (laughs) so the last thing is where can people find you
1: and do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug oh You can find me on Twitter. I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Let's say these days, I guess as with everyone, we're all trying to use social media a little bit less and look out a window a bit more since we're at home a lot. But what do I have coming up? I have a book, as you mentioned, She's in Control. Yeah, but we haven't talked about when it's coming out. That's coming out next March. You've got a year to kind of keep an eye on things and follow me and know when it comes out right okay so i'm super excited about that with stemets what isn't coming up every half term we've got things there's lots of opportunities for folks to volunteer to kind of donate to get involved to help out so stemets.org you can head over to i have my podcast which at the moment you can kind of listen back to old seasons so that's called women tech charge and I'm aimaphadon on Twitter I think that's right yeah. I'm not your average AMI on Instagram as well which is a bit of a mouthful but it might be easier to spell than aimaphadon <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so amaphidon is I-M-A-F Freddy I-D-O-N isn't it mm-hmm. fantastic okay thank you so much for talking to me it was lovely to catch up with you again good luck with all of your many many things uh, and I hope to see you soon well,
1: thanks very much Claire
0: Ways to help you digest what you've just heard I'm going to attempt to summarize it. For Anne-Marie being an inspirational trailblazer is about having a legacy she can be proud of. It's about making the most of the opportunities that she's had by making a real difference for others and part of doing that is recognizing that digital has become the fourth literacy. You need it to fully understand the world around you. Not everyone has to be a software engineer, but everyone needs at least some idea of what's involved and have an opinion about it. Because of gatekeeping in our industry, women have to actively seek and seize those opportunities. It's time for women to get in the room where the decisions are made, or even better, create our own tech rooms. Because when women aren't in the room, the consequences can be as serious as women being killed by safety devices because nobody considered their needs. And you can read more about that in the book Invisible Women by Caroline Criado Perez. We need women to be involved so that periods, menopause, miscarriage, endometriosis all become understood and taken for granted. Women must play a part in technology because this Wi-Fi fridge is going to get you. There are many options for getting involved in tech. It's a tool, it's a language like English. And once you learn it, there are lots of different things you can do with it. Be curious and know that food unites. OK, that's not all. Stick around for some extra Women in Engineering Day content. Every other episode, this last short segment will be devoted to story time. Storytelling is useful for teaching, for unlocking empathy, and for creating a sense of shared connection and trust in your teams. I love telling stories to both children and adults. I'm actually a lapsed member of the UK Society for Storytelling. So the plan is that I'm going to be using stories to illustrate various points about effective software development. For this special Women in Engineering Day episode, our story comes from Tess Barnes, one of our senior engineers here at Made Tech. So, Tess, hello. Hello. Can you tell
2: me about the time that you were making notes in a meeting? So, to set the scene, I'm sat in a meeting. I'm the only girl. There's 10 other engineers here, and I know I have a terrible memory. So, I'm sat with a notebook, and I'm there happily taking notes of things that I've said and other people have said and lots of ideas that have come up. And one of the engineers sat next to me turns to me and says, it's okay, Tess. You don't have to feel that you have to take the minutes in this meeting just because you're a girl. Okay. And you weren't happy with that, were you? I was floored. Uh It really wasn't what I was expecting to hear. I had my own reasons for taking notes. I expect people to take notes for themselves if they want to in a meeting. So it did take me a couple of minutes to react, to work out what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. And I seem to remember that I thanked the person for thinking of me. And then I asked them why they thought that I needed to be reassured. Because... I might have been the only girl in the meeting, but that's normal for me. I've been in tech most of my career. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking that I was going to be disadvantaged or put upon or asked to write minutes. I write code. So what was it about his response that bothered you? I felt patronised. Yeah. I felt tapped on the head and told that it was okay to be an engineer, And this isn't my first week in the company. It's not even my first tech job. So it's felt unwanted. Mm -hmm. And I, looking back, think, well, this person felt that it was the best of intentions. He declared himself to be a feminist. Mm -hmm. But I always ask of my allies that they talk to me about what I need. Mm -hmm. So... It really did knock me for six because it was so unexpected.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because we've talked already in this episode about being an ally and we absolutely do want men to be a, a, to understand the situations that women in tech face. We want them to help us. But there are good ways and bad ways of helping, aren't there? Very much. So how could he have behaved differently? And What can we say to other people who also have good intentions and want to be helpful and also run the risk of... In fact, not being helpful.
2: I really like the idea that this person had stopped and thought about the situation. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really positive. I would have preferred it if they'd come to me afterwards, say over a cup of coffee or at the, the water cooler, and spoke to me directly on a person to person level, just one to one. I think the thing that shocked me most is that this was a statement that came out of the blue in front of all of my colleagues. Mm -hmm. so that felt undermining rather than empowering i think it's awesome that everyone has good intentions to support each other no matter what their background but it does need to be on a slightly more personal level in my opinion yeah fantastic thank you you're very welcome
0: Working in the public sector means that at Make Tech, we really care about making a difference. So for this final Making Life Better segment, myself and my colleagues will be sharing suggestions for small things we can do to make the world a better place. In this special Women in Engineering Day episode, I'm going to bring you four pieces of advice from three of my colleagues. So the first piece of advice comes from Elle Villimet, who is one of our senior engineers. And this advice is for all of the engineers out there who identify as female. Elle says, stop seeing yourself as a woman engineer. You're just an engineer like everyone else. And she says she got this from a book called Women in Tech. Take your career to the next level with practical advice and inspiring stories. The content comes from seven contributors, so I'm not going to list them all, but we will put a link in the description. Okay, our second piece of advice comes from Alex Herbert, who is another of our senior engineers. And she says, gender diversity isn't a binary. Small things like pronouns matter to less binary people and trans-inclusive policies must be considered as a part of a company's values and reflected in their behaviours if you want a gender diverse staff to be retained. Alex also has advice about being an ally. First of all, she talks about the experience as a woman of being ignored or talked over in meetings. She says that she can come up with an idea, be talked over, and then one of the men will say the same thing a few minutes later. Her advice is that whether or not you yourself identify as a woman, you can be an ally to those that do. Call out sexism that's directed towards women, support women in tech, make sure they're being heard, and support their ideas in meetings. Finally, I have some advice from Rebecca Fitzsimmons, who is another of our senior engineers. And she says that in her experience, a lot of sexism in the workplace is subconscious, subtle and nuanced, and is therefore difficult to articulate and point to. She says that she's found that speaking to the person who is often completely unaware of what they've done, helps them to realise their biases. And most of the time, they're happy to have it pointed out to them and will make a conscious effort to change their behaviours. She does make the caveat, though, that obviously what she is describing here is very different from blatant, deliberate sexism. I really enjoyed all the extra content I got in this episode from my colleagues, so thank you again to them. And that's the end of another episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do leave us ratings and reviews because it pushes us up the directories and makes it easier for other people to find us. Speaking of which, thank you to Laura Plager, who recently left us a wonderful review. I've got a few talks coming up. You can see the details on my events page on Medium, which is linked to from my Twitter profile. And you can find that at Claire Sudbury, which is probably not spelt the way that you think. There's no I in Claire, and Sudbury is spelt E-R-Y at the end, the same as Surgery or Carvery. You can find Made Tech on Twitter at M-A-D-E-T-E-C-H and do come and say hello. We're very interested to hear your feedback and any suggestions you have for any content for future episodes or just to come and have a chat. Thank you to Rose, our editor, and to Richard Murray for the music. There'll be a link in the description. Also in the description is a link for subscribing to our newsletter. We bring out new episodes every fortnight on Tuesday mornings. Thank you for listening and goodbye.